0: Acts the second chapter, now I'm going to be honest with you, where I'm getting ready to preach to you from, um, it's not going to be this part of the text, but I can't read Acts chapter 2 without reading this text to you, there's nothing like it, because there's only one way to be saved, and it's not the Pentecostal way, it's the Bible way. It's not the way your grandmother told you to be saved. It's the way the Bible tells you to be saved. It's not the way your old preacher told you to be saved when you were a kid growing up. It's the way the Bible tells you to be saved. Amen. Let's go to 2 and 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles. Peter wasn't alone in this thing. They said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now I want us to read this together because I like to hear it in an echo chamber. Let's read it. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Anybody here got that Holy Ghost today? Now you have to understand that tongues ceased on the day of Pentecost. No one received the Holy Ghost after the day of Pentecost, but we still preach about it and talk about it. Because it's a good idea. The Lord gives the Holy Ghost to some people and he doesn't others because he respects different people above others. Is that the most foolish doctrine you've ever heard in your life? I'm glad to tell you that the promise is unto you and to your children, to all that are afar off, even as many... As the Lord our God. Now verse 40 is where I would like to extrapolate text from today. I don't know what the many other words were. I would have liked to have been there to have heard it. But it said, and with many other words did he testify and exhort. I don't know how he said it, but the summation of what he said was save yourselves From this untoward generation. He just told them how to be saved. And with many other words. He exhorted and testified to them. And said save yourselves. From this untoward generation. You may be seated in Jesus name. I came last night. And I don't want this this at all. To have the appearance of. This day being about me whatsoever, so just take it with a grain of salt. But today, I give God praise for 40 healthy years. I thank the Lord for my family, for this church family. But last night, late, we got home. I jumped in the shower, and I got out, my wife said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to the church. Because I want to go give God thanks for a decade last decade of his kindness I said I want to close out the decade and bring in a new decade in prayer and I came to this church last night and prayed until after midnight it was really late I just began to walk these aisles and seek God weep before the presence of the Lord because there's nothing more that I want than to be in the presence of the Lord and so I prayed for a while and I sat and I reflected and I was weeping in the presence of the Lord, and I started thinking about how good God has been to me and how good He's been to my family, and I started thinking about how precious the years of ministry have been that I'm in, and um, the part that's kind of crazy to me, and this is going to sound a little bit down to you, I don't want it to at all, is when I realize that I probably have less prime years of ministry left than what I've already been preaching. It's pretty awkward. I mentioned to you this morning that the last, you know, two, two decades ago, my thoughts were get married, have children. The last decade was watching my kids get big. This coming decade will be watching my kids abandon me for some hairy-legged creep It's going to come walking in my house and he will be introduced to every piece of ammo and every gun. And he will know what thus saith the Lord. That is for the guns that did not drown in my boating accident that I told you about. I have no more guns; they were all in a boat and it went under. So that's just for the public record. And I don't even have a boat, but it sounds good. Well, I started thinking, I, it was it was as though I could see somehow in moments of reflection spending time in the Holy Ghost just talking to the Lord I said God I really hope that I can do more in the next 40 than I did in the last I realize that I will never learn as much in the next 40 as I did in the first everything that I am today I've learned in the last 40 years from right now and I won't learn that much in the second 40 I learned how to read to write to do math I learned how to love I learned what hate was but I learned it wasn't a good idea and I learned that love is not a feeling it's a choice I learned a lot of lessons And I said Lord Tomorrow, as I celebrate 40 years of life, I wonder what I would preach if I had one last Sunday. I'm going to be honest with you, it wouldn't be about faith, it wouldn't be about miracles, it wouldn't be about signs, it wouldn't be about wonders. As I look down the pathway of my life for the next hundred years that I'm going to live. I said, God, if I had one more. If I had one more Sunday. One more pulpit. I would preach above all else. I must be saved. And I want to tell you that I stepped to the pulpit this morning with the same thing on my mind that I had when I went to bed, and this is what I want to preach to you today. I've got eternity on my mind. It is a fact. And I wish that I could take you to the deep end of the pool today and make some of you snore in Greek and dream in Hebrew. But it is a fact we're going to swim in the shallow end of the pool for just a little while. And I want to tell you that despite what you've heard on TV preachers, radio preachers, this is not multiple choice. You got saved and you got lost. You've got heaven and you've got hell. Eternity is real and it's coming for all of us. There is a day that we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And it's not multiple choice. You're either going to hear, enter in, thou good and faithful servant. Or you're going to hear, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never even knew you. So you hear me on this Sunday as I rise, not feeling at all like my better days are behind me. But I feel like my best days are ahead of me. But I do want you to understand that I'm preaching to you as a dying man to dying men. And I've come to declare in this house this morning that Calvary is not... Today, for those who are still trying to figure out what life is all about. Calvary is for the people who have tried it every way that you knew how to try it and it didn't work out. So you came here today and you want to try Jesus. I feel like telling somebody that when you've tried everything and everything else has failed, Jesus is the answer. The Bible said that for 12 years she was sick in her body and that she had spent all that she had. The story said that she had exhausted everything that she had. She had been to every doctor that she knew about going to and the issue was still in her life and for 12 years she had a bloody issue in her body that could not be dried up until the day that Jesus came passing by and all of her pride was thrown out the window and everything that she had tried to before became irrelevant and she realized in that moment is that jesus is not only an option he's the only option i've got right now i've exhausted my life i've exhausted my resources i've tried everything i know to try so let me tell you right now the same thing that that woman found out is what somebody in this house needs to know today when you've tried everything else you gotta try jesus the bible said that she got down on the ground and she pushed her way through the crowd she didn't care what people thought about her she didn't care what they said about her she didn't care what their feelings were toward her she needed to touch Jesus the Lord knew you were going to be here today and the Lord knew that you were going to walk into this house sick of religion There's somebody in this place today that you've tried church to get it right. You've tried other religions to get it right. And you're still empty. You've walked in church after church. You were taken to church as a kid. It didn't last. Got your life in a mess, so you tried church somewhere else. It didn't work. Well, I want to tell you the problem is that you're trying church and you're not trying Jesus. Let me help somebody in this house today. I feel like there is some kind of stigma that's messed us up. It's got our brains jacked up that we've got to just come on to church to get Jesus and everything's going to be all right. And I'm going to tell you this right now. I don't believe you can be saved without being in the house of the Lord. I just don't. That's, I believe it's in the book. I don't believe you can be saved without a preacher. That's not my idea. That's Bible idea. I don't believe that you can forsake the assembling of yourselves together and be saved. I believe you have to be in the house of the Lord. But what I'm telling you is that just coming to church on Sunday and filling up a pew does not save you and it does not fix anything. I know this sounds counterproductive coming from a preacher who's thankful for every seat that's filled on every Sunday. But understand me when I tell you it's not a made up mind to go to church that's going to change your life. It's a made up mind to find God and to live for God that's going to change your life. And if living for God means coming to church then so be it. But I want to tell you that coming to church is not living for God. Somebody say amen or oh me. Well, Pastor, I went to church for years and never did get better. That's why. Because you went to church. It's an event, it's something in your schedule. As a matter of fact, I'll show you how jacked up we are. We look at Sunday as a way to close the week out. Look at your calendar. We don't close the week out on Sunday. We start the week out on Sunday. I'm saying he's not the last thing on my weekly schedule. He's the first thing on my weekly schedule. My God. So it's like, if I just start going, now I'm going to get real real honest with you right here right now, so you may have to put your seatbelt on. It's going to get a little uncomfortable. If I'll just go to church, it's all going to get better. Let's be honest. What you're really saying is I want people to see me going to church so they think I'm doing better. If I'll start going to church, maybe the judge will have mercy on me in the court when my court date comes up. Woo! I enjoyed singing a whole lot better a few minutes ago. If I start going to church, maybe she'll come back. If I start going to church, maybe I'll get that job. I'm going to tell you what God's looking for is not somebody that's setting all the prerequisites as to why you're coming to the house of the Lord. God's looking for somebody that says, if I never get that job, if she never comes home. If I never get my kids back, if I end up having to go to prison, whatever I have to do, I must be saved. I've got eternity on my mind. I'm going to live for God. If my family comes with me, then let them come. If they don't come with me, i still got to be saved. If my husband comes, let him come. If my wife comes, let her come. But I've got to be saved. Oh, great God. I preached several years ago about a scripture that we only see mentioned one time in the whole scripture. It's in the book of Acts. It said that they traveled a Sabbath day's journey. There's like no introduction to it and there's no benediction. It's just a Sabbath day's journey. And so with a brief study, you'll understand what this means completely is that the Sabbath day's journey was within a certain walking distance from the synagogue or the temple to their home. It was a boundary that they placed in their life that they would never be too far away from the house of God. And the thought process is all about this, and I don't have time to go into all of it. If I did, I'd love to preach it to you again. Maybe someday I may. But the principle was this, is that we can never position our family so far away from the house of God That we can't get there when the doors are open on the Sabbath day. It wasn't about finding the church that fit their life. Oh God. It's about to get tight. I just feel it coming. Somebody told me the other day. They said bro if you ever go to one service on Sunday. You'll never go back. I said you're right. I said you're right about that. And in my mind, what I'm saying is if I try to go to one service, I'll never go back to that church because they'll kill me. Now, I'm about to say something right here, and I don't mean this to sound ugly, okay? Y'all just know my heart. They said, well, the problem is we didn't have nobody coming on Sunday night. I said, well, maybe you ought to give them something to come to. We quit preaching canned sermons, singing the same three songs make people dance and shout when they don't want to shout. And we get in revival and have a move of God. Waters of baptism get troubled. People start getting the Holy Ghost. Maybe some folks want to show up. Hey, listen, I'm talking to this church right now. I'm not talking to anybody else or about anybody else. I'm telling you that in this house today, the reason why I'm here is because I want to be here. The reason why I'm here is because me and Jesus got our own thing going. And I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. And so very, very simply understood. It's that before they built their home. They established themselves in the church. They established themselves in a synagogue. And they based the decisions of their life on the distance it was From the house of God to their house. And so I want you to understand today, as I looked around this room, I thought, Lord, I'm standing right over here, worshiping this morning through tears. And I thought, God, if there's any way you can let these people see my heart, I would greatly appreciate it. Because you need to know I'm not taking shots, throwing darts at anybody. I stepped to this pulpit with eternity on my mind. And I want you to know we got some precious children upstairs in children's church today. That there's not one of them. You hear what I'm saying? It's not because I don't believe in them. There's not one of our children upstairs. I watched a bunch of them at camp meeting the last two weeks. There's not one of them that's going to make it as a professional athlete. None. <laughs> but I have watched parents push their children till the last day that they could play. They would push them to the very end. They would tell them, you got what it takes to go all the way until they got to the end of a college career. And at the end of their college career, there was no hope on the other side of it. So when that ended then, they decided now would be a good time for me to get my kids involved in the house of God. But I feel like telling you today that if our kids, and I think they should, I think boys ought to know how to throw a ball, they ought to know how to catch a ball, they ought to know how to hit a ball. I watched my girls play softball camp last week. I texted Sister Bingham, I said, Papa Bingham taught him how to catch. She sent it back to me. Keep your eye on the ball. That was his deal. Everybody ought to know how to keep your eye on the ball. But here's my issue. When our kids know how to keep their eye on the ball, but they don't know how to keep their eyes on the prize. I was raised in an environment, and I don't, I don't say this to be ugly. I mean it sincerely. I was raised in the kind of church environment that if preachers, and I've just been reflecting over the last couple of days. I told dad yesterday, we, after the wedding, we went and played a few holes of golf with Josh and brother Danny Lane. And I told dad, I said, I'm having a hard time getting my mind on the golf course. I've been reflecting over the last few days and I started thanking God. I started thanking God for every time I got embarrassed in church. I started thanking God for every time I wanted to go play ball, and my dad said, Not today, son. I started thanking God for every time that I wanted to go on a date with that girl, my mom said, Over my dead body. <laughs> and she man <made> it. <laughs> this one's going to be a little tough on me. I went out yesterday. I sat down in the ground on my grandfather's grave, and started thanking God for the time that we were going to a fellowship meeting. And I went and got a haircut, and he didn't think it was cut enough. Because when I came to his house, we were headed to the meeting, he said, boy, your hair is down on your collar. I said, yes, sir. He said, I thought you just got a haircut. Matter of fact, I gave you the money for the haircut. Yes, you did, Paul. And I heard his overnight bag unzip. He kept it in the little closet behind the tub. He pulled out a safety razor. I thought, God, this can only end one way. <laughs> so I'm going to stand here and take my poison. And he billboarded my neck. He shaved my hair up halfway up the back of my head, and he made sure that it wasn't on my collar. And LeBannon, you think that's bad. You should have seen when LeBannon came home from Key West with a bowl cut. We don't do haircuts like that. No, sir, we don't. But I started thanking God for the way that he molds our character. Because I thought these... Old people that were being so mean to me were being mean to me because they had a vendetta against me. I remember how mean Jean McClain was when she caught you running in the sanctuary. It hurts just thinking about it. Because I got those conversations and said, I'll whoop you and I don't care what your mom says about it. And she didn't care. She didn't care. She didn't whoop me, but it probably wasn't because she didn't want to. I started thinking about all this. I started thinking, Brother Luper, about that old gruff voice. Said, hey, boys, that'll be enough. And we didn't turn around and say, it's none of your business, old man. (laughs) Oh, no. No, they'd been preaching my funeral. But this week, as I reflected on some things, I want to tell you that my my eyes went just a little further than the next 40 for me. Yesterday, as I was seeking God, I was looking down the road and thinking, "Where, where do I want to be in five years? Where do I want to be in 10 years? Where do I want to be in the next 40 years? And all of a sudden, Brother Joe, it was like my eyes just went beyond 80. My eyes went beyond 75. And my eyes went straight across the river. Oh, God. And I started looking towards the city. Whose builder? <laughs> Whose builder and maker is God? And I went home last night. It was late. I was tired. I said, God, you know I hate Saturday nights. I just want to sleep. I laid down the bed and I started wrestling back and forth. I said, God, I can't sleep tonight. Because there's going to be somebody in the house tomorrow morning that it may be their last service. There's going to be somebody that may be their first service. But God, they need to know that tomorrow it may be their last chance to get it right. And I've got eternity on my mind. I didn't come here today to preach some deep theological discussion with somebody. I didn't come here today to talk to somebody about some deep revelation But I came here to tell somebody today that's been playing with God. I came to tell somebody here today that feels hopeless and you're looking for answers. There is hope beyond this life. I came to tell somebody in this house this morning. You don't have to live the way that you've been living. You don't have to die the way that you've been living. If the Lord were to come back today, what I want to know is, are you ready for the coming of the Lord? We're so afraid that somebody is gonna put us and label us on our final position on pre mid or post tribulation. We're so scared to be labeled in that that we've quit preaching the imminent return of Christ. Oh well, one of my friends that's post may hear me preach about the imminent return of Christ and get upset with me. I'm gonna tell you how I was raised. I'm gonna tell you what I still believe. I still believe that while I'm standing in this pulpit preaching to you today, I believe that while I'm standing in this house right now today, that the trump of God could sound. I believe that while I'm standing here preaching in this house today, that the angel of the Lord, whoo! May step out in the eastern sky and the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of that archangel. I believe that it could happen today. And here's what I'm telling you I wish I had something better to preach, but I'm preaching to you that I've got eternity on my mind. And if today was the day that the Lord came back, I just want to know are you ready? Mom and dad taught me to make a living, always be a man and go to work. And if you can't work for your family, you're a punk. And the Bible said you're worse than an infidel. Man, if I had a rewind button, I'd say that again. I said they taught me to go work and support your family and provide for your family. They didn't teach me to sit at home and let the government pay my bills. I said, go work, get you a job. I went in for my first job interview. One of the last things out of my dad's mouth was, you let them know you don't go to work on Sunday. What if they don't give me the job, then you'll find another one. I said, okay. So I walked in. And they said, you do realize there's other people who want this job. I said, yes, I do. There won't be anybody that will work any harder for you than I will six days out of the week. But on Sunday, I'm going to be in the house of the Lord. It was because my mother needed a drummer. And it was because they needed help with the music. But that wasn't the real motive. The real motive was my parents had eternity on their mind. And they wanted to be sure that I knew above all the money that I make in this life. It all pales in comparison to what we will behold when we shall behold him face to face and we will see him like he is. I came to preach to somebody in this house this morning. About prioritizing some things in your family. Prioritizing some things in your house. I'm telling you today I'm going to sound like an old broken record. But somebody needs to be reminded that heaven and earth are going to pass away. That all the things of this earth, they're going to pass away. The house you live in and that you paid all them payments on, it's going to pass away and burn down to the ground. That car that you worked for all your life, it's going to pass away and burn to the ground. But the words that I'm preaching to you today... They're going to last forever. We're going to spend eternity somewhere. And the job that you worked is not going to matter. And the money you made, it's not going to matter. What's going to matter is that you make God number one in your life. People are afraid they're going to have to live poor if they put God first. But I just want to tell you the the wealthiest people that I know. And it may not show in their bank account, but the wealthiest people I know are the children of God. I believe with all my heart that God has got his hand on somebody in this house today. This is not what I would have picked to preach on Sunday morning, I'll be honest with you. This is not what I would have picked to preach, but I couldn't shake it. Dad walked in my office this morning. I said, I sure wish God would give me something between now and 1045. I want something different. I don't, I don't like it. But I'm reaching for somebody in this house on Sunday morning. I stepped to this pulpit with one thing on my mind. I've got eternity on my mind. I've got eternity on my mind. And this is what I'm hearing today. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. You're going to spend eternity in heaven or you're going to spend eternity in hell. You don't have to believe me, but you're going to find out sooner or later that you were either saved or you were lost. I feel like somebody needs to hear it today. You can't be almost saved and make it. I wonder if we could hear an echo through the ages today what King Agrippa would say right now when he looked at the apostle Paul and he said, almost, thou persuadest me to be a Christian. I wonder how King Agrippa feels about almost today. in the presence of the Lord last night I said God whatever you do don't lift your hand off my life because I can't afford to miss you it was like I could just hear the Apostle Paul preaching to me and saying lest I myself when I had preached to others (laughs) Hear what I'm preaching to you The greatest apostle in the scripture in my opinion He said that one of his greatest fears is that when he had preached Christ to others That he himself would become a castaway and miss heaven And it was all of a sudden like the Lord just showed me this picture I don't know how to explain it to you, I'm just saying And I saw this long line of people that were dressed what we would consider to be holiness people. But even in the way that they were dressed and the way that they looked, there was a parting of two different ways. And I was so stunned. I was like, well, God, I mean, it's obvious they were trying. And Bishop, I wish this was a little bit deeper, but this was all I felt. He said it's because they tried the hardest on the things that people saw. But they neglected the things that mattered the most to me. I didn't expect anybody to run the aisles on that. But I want to tell you it's going to be a sobering day. When we stand before the Lord and people with self-righteous attitudes that wanted the whole world to believe they had it together. Miss God, miss heaven, miss eternity. Because their focus was what people thought about them. I feel like helping somebody in this house this morning. These are important things that have to transpire in our life. We have to grow. We have to be discipled. We have to be holy. We have to be separate. But if we don't get our heart right with God, we're going to miss it. Scariest words that I've ever read in my life were not in a book that was a, a horror book, a scary book. The scariest words that I ever read in my life, Sister Jenny, are depart. Ooh. Oh God, this is heavy this morning. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. You know why it's heavy? It's heavy because the precursor to that, the conversation leading into that is he said that many would come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, we did ministry. Think about this. We did ministry in your name. Think about it. These are not people with syringes hanging out of their arm. These are not people standing before God with whiskey on their breath. These are people that stand before God and said, we cast out devils and we healed the sick. And he said, I don't have a clue who you are. He said, you are a worker of iniquity. And several years ago, the Lord asked me the question. He said, at what point does ministry become iniquity? When you build a name for yourself and all you care about is what people think about you. And all you care about is how big your legacy is. How many got the Holy Ghost under your ministry? How many got healed under your ministry? Ryan, Ryan, will you come help me preach for just a minute? I won't, yeah. I'm going to tell you something, buddy. I'm going to take you to heaven with me. I'm serving public notice today. That the enemy's done everything he can to destroy this man. He's done everything he can to defeat this man. But you listen to what I'm telling you today, devil. We got eternity on our mind. Ryan Dorsey's not the same man he used to be. Because God is filled him with the Holy Ghost. And today, I believe we're going to hear it right. We're going to hear him say, Enter in, thou good and faithful. It doesn't matter how many times you failed him, buddy. It doesn't matter how many times you came short. Enter in, thou good and faithful servant. I'm finishing. I'm late. I didn't mean to preach this. I didn't mean to preach this long. I'm finishing. Why'd you do that, Pastor? Because I want to help somebody in here that the devil's been beating your brains out. And every time you try to get right with God, all he does is throw your failures up in your face. God, I feel the Holy Ghost so strong right now. Brother Danny, I feel like you did yesterday. I can't hardly stand still when I get to thinking. about. it. Woo. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Woo. Let's lift our hands to the Lord right now. Oh, I'm reaching for somebody today. You've been struggling trying to figure it out. Uh-huh. I got eternity on my mind this morning. Save yourself. Save yourself. Save yourself from this untoward generation. If I could drag you up here today and save you, I'd do it. But you got to save yourself. If you're here today and you got to get some things right with God, I want you to come right now. Come on, some of you are trying to figure out all kinds of crazy things, and the enemy's got your mind so confused today. Your mind's a mess. You walked in here today, you're not even sure if you believe truth anymore. Your mind is such a mess. Listen, let's get the simple things right today. Here's what I want to know. Have you repented of your sins? Have you been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins? Have you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues? If you haven't done that, we gotta get that done first. And we're gonna let God work everything else out. Quit letting the devil beat you up today. Quit letting the enemy beat your brains out today about how far you've fallen. You're here today and God sent me to this pulpit with this word. He sent me here to remind you to get eternity on your mind.